Father, um, Father, it's so easy to to forget you. It's so easy to forget you, Lord. It's so amazing how um, we can go days on end without truly acknowledging you. We can go hours, hours on end without thanking you for the breath in our lungs, Father, and how easily we, we opt for idols, how easily we get distracted by things that can't satisfy. Yet we go to them all the time. We, we, actually, we actually inundate our lives with things that don't satisfy in hopes of being satisfied from them. But we're living the very definition of insanity, trying to be satisfied by something that never satisfied. Yet we keep going to those things thinking that we're going to get a different result. Lord, the thing that we don't do, the thing that I don't do consistently is keep my gaze upward towards you. I constantly let the clouds of this world dim your glory. I constantly look around at the circumstances around me and, and it causes me to have small faith maybe or causes me to, or distracts me from Fully believing you. Lord, my eyes are not always turned towards you. Psalm 115, Lord, you blessed me this morning with. And, and I pray that it blesses our people. Lord, you wrote not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name. Give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why would the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. But their idols are silver and gold. Oh, Lord, I'm guilty. <laughs> Made with human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel. They have feet but cannot walk. They make no sound from their throats and those who make them are just like them as are all who trust in them israel trust in the lord he is our helper and shield house of aaron trust in the lord he is their help and shield you who fear the lord trust in the lord he is their help and shield the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord add to your numbers, both yours and your children's. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of the heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he has given to the human race. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, nor any of those ascending into the silence of death. But we, 
bless the Lord, both now and forever. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. Guide us this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, you can go ahead and open in your copy of God's word to the book of Joshua chapter one. Uh, many of you guys maybe have heard that uh, this Sunday we were going to um, be laying hands on a new elder at Pillar. We're actually moving that to next Sunday. And so that's going to be a great time. So I hope you can join us for that. Uh, as we were singing that song, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the psalmist commanding himself to do something. He's telling himself what to do. And that is an example for us to praise the Lord, despite if we feel like praising the Lord. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, bless the Lord. And if we get too comfortable as a people only praising God when we feel like praising God, then we're actually in the place of authority, not him. Because we're telling God, when I decide to praise you, that's when I will. But God is worthy of praise despite how we feel. And it doesn't matter if the person next to you is looking at you crazy. In this place, praise the Lord. And it's not a suggestion. When you go home, bless the Lord. And it is not a suggestion. It is a command. And it is a response of what God has done. God has given Pillar Church this vision, this dream of leading people closer to Jesus and each other. And these past few years have been hard for everyone here. In fact, it's almost like we have, I forget the, t the term, when you forget, like, what is it, trauma? You forget through trauma where stuff has happened a couple years ago that we don't forgot about. Not because it's not in our memory anymore, but because we're choosing not to believe. We don't want to remember those hard things. If you guys recall, it wasn't too long ago when we were mourning the, the death of men like Ahmaud Arbery and such. We were mourning that. We were in pain. There was cries in the city and cries in the church for, for justice. Y'all remember those? That, that's, that's, that's real. That's there. That happened this last couple of years. There's been a lot of political unrest these last couple of years. There's been sicknesses ravaging our families and our communities these last couple of years. There's been isolation happening these last couple of years that we got comfortable with. And it's causing mental health issues because we weren't created for that. And let me just say this, I'm speaking off now. There's a cloud that's hovering over, not just pillar church or our people, but across the city and across churches abroad, that this, this thing called COVID has kind of changed us where we don't know how to be in community anymore. And it's weird because we wanna be respectful of people and their space and their health, uh, but we, we, we also got comfortable being alone, but at the same time, since we're comfortable being alone, but we're not being proactive and gathering either. And so it's this weird dynamic. It's this weird thing happening where we don't know how to re-engage. 
since the last few years. And we've been shaped and we are comfortable in that stage. It's like a weird comfort, discomfort thing where we don't like it, but we're not doing anything to change it. And so as your pastor, and I, and I said this to our prayer team this morning, I'm asking that you would be bold, be strong and courageous, which is what we're going to look at this morning. Be strong and courageous, uh, courageous enough to call the elephant out, kill it, look at a brother or sister next to you and say, I'm sorry, I really don't know your name, even though I've seen you. Can I have your phone number and can we talk or, or uh, hang out next week? Maybe you can come over my house or I can come over your house or we can go out to eat or, or something. But what we cannot do is allow the, the realities of what's happening around us to infiltrate the church in such a way where we are now isolated. One brother told me out there, he's like, that's, the, that's one of the things Satan would love for us not to do is to be unified, truly. And so I want to call you to live in community as for the Father, Son, and the Spirit did. And call you to, to live in community the way that, that the early church did. There's literally nothing stopping us but us. And so I just want to get that out there. Is let's love one another and care for one another and know what's going on in each other's hearts and lives and pray for one another and fast together and confess sin to one another. Right? Isn't that's all biblical? So I can call y'all to that. I don't even care. Can we, can we do that? Can we, can we call the elephant, call the spade a spade? Don't feel like it's unique to Pillar. I've talked to pastors across. I just came back from engaging with pastors from all over the country. They're all dealing with this. It, it, people don't know how to re-engage. And I'm like, no, nah, it ain't going to be Pillar. We need, I need to call the elephant out now. And so before you leave this place, be intentional about gathering together with people. The last few years has caused a lot of stress on marriages. And it's hard to tell what's heads or tails. Uh, human nature is doing what it's doing. There's so division in the body, not necessarily here, but just in, uh, abroad. Christians are calling Christians all kind of crazy stuff. Even me, y'all, this last... This last couple of years has been hard in the mug. I struggle with a hundred things. Am I the one that's called to help lead this place at such a time as this? Are my elders, are our elders equipped enough to lead this church through whatever it is this, this nation is, is going through? It's like a dog that barks in the middle of the night. It keeps you up at night. I always wonder and I pray like, Lord, I know the sheep want to be led, but will they truly trust the, 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 the shepherds to lead them? The weight of leading people is hard. It's heavy. You can ask my wife or on the weekends. I have, some, I have deep decision fatigue. And I ain't the only one going through it. Y'all going through it. I don't want you to forget the hardness of the last few years. I want you to remember it. I want you to remember it, and I want you to be encouraged by this morning's text because the Lord is gracious and he allowed thine eyes to, to behold this text for this morning, which wasn't the plan. Pillar Church, God is calling us to be strong and courageous.
That's what he's calling us to. These are the words that God spoke to the people of Israel during the days of Joshua. And these are the words that the Lord has given for, to us for such a time as this. And so my, 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 old, my goal this morning is not to masterfully exegete this passage, okay? Uh, you, we can exegete this passage better. That's not my goal this morning. My goal is that I want us to be, uh, to identify with their reality. That's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to be exhorted and encouraged by God's command. I want us to choose to believe God. That's what I, that's what, that's what I, don't, I don't want to impress you with exegesis. I want, to, I want you to, be, to choose to believe him through the text this morning. And then I want us to trust him for the next five years, the next 50 years. Okay? And so if we don't exposit the text the way you're used to and the way we normally do it, because that's not my aim to do this morning. I want you to identify here. Okay? I want us to be strong and courageous, but not in a manner in which most of us think. Our faith is a faith of believing truth over lies, right? That, that's what we're, we're supposed to be trusting God and God's promises over our circumstances. And as I mentioned before, our circumstances over the last couple of years has done, has done a lot of work in pulling us away from believing and trusting in the things that God is able to do. And it's also pulled us away from praising God the way he deserves to be praised because we're so caught up with everything Fox News and MSNBC is feeding us. The last couple years, Satan has lulled many of our people to sleep. He's lulled us to sleep. We, he has caused in the church a devaluing of gathering, the gathering of God's people. Masterfully done. I've come to find that most churches, most Christians don't even know why they gather. So we're going to hit that coming up. That's something that the elders have been mulling over is, well, what, what happened? Do people value the gathering anymore? In these last couple of years, we've seen the truth of what people value. It's come out in these last few years. And what we've noticed, what we're seeing is that what we thought people valued, they don't. And the things we never thought they valued, they do. The last couple of years, we've grown into a fearful society, a disheartened society, a discontent society. Just like I said earlier, we all want community, but who's willing to go out and, and, and shake their hands? Because pride has made it hard for me to say, I don't remember your name, I'm sorry. The people of Israel are not far off from feeling the same things we're feeling here. And, in Joshua chapter 1, Israel is a relatively small people going through a transition in leadership. And as we've already know, because we're going through Exodus as a, as a series, right? The people are very fickle. And they believe God and they don't. And they believe God and they don't. And they're going through a particular issue. Yet they're still God's people and God proves his fidelity and his loyalty to them over and over again. And now they're going through a transition. It's a deep transition. Look with me in Joshua chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4, and I hope y'all feel the gravity of this. Look, look at what it says in Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Y'all realize what that's saying? Y'all remember who Moses was? He was there from jump. 
God trained him up for 40 years in Pharaoh's house, trained him up for 40 years as a shepherd. Then he put the burning bush. He called him out to say, you're going to lead my people out of the oppression of Egypt and out of the oppression of the Egyptian gods. And he said, Moses, I'm going to use you as my catalyst to do this work. Moses has been there through the whole battle, through the whole journey. And now he's dead. These people are rattled. They're shaken. Right. We're rattled and shaken. They don't know what's next. But God is speaking to Joshua and he says, after the death of the Lord's servant, verse two, he says, then verse two, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land. I am giving the Israelites. I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses, your territory will be from the wilderness. In the Le- from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. God is telling this semi-small ragtag group of, of Israelites that even though their leader is dead, their mission has not paused. He raised up another man, Moses' assistant, and says, now, now it's time to go do the dirty work. Now it's time to cross that Jordan and take the land that I promised you through your forefather Abraham. You would think that God would say, hey, man, why don't y'all chill out, relax. I know Moses is dead. Let's take a little time here. But God's like, let's get it. Because it's not dependent on Moses. Moses isn't the one that's going to give you the promised land. The Israelites had a choice. They could say, nah, God, you crazy. Moses split the sea. Moses held the staff up high and we won the war. Moses hit the rock and water came out. We need Moses. We can't do this without Moses. They could say that or they could say, Lord, I trust and believe you. Their conundrum is the same conundrum as us. We can choose to trust and believe or we can quiver in unbelief. There's only two choices there. We can believe what God is saying. It's true. It's going to happen. Or we can choose not to believe. It's funny. That sounds elementary, but we, that's the decision we got to make with everything every day. Your life is the sum total of how oftentimes your life is the sum total of how much you're trusting and believing God. God is calling them to show proof of their faith in him by acting in obedience. If you trust me, then we're going to do this work together. And God is calling them to be, eventually they're going to be a blessing to the nations of the world and the whole world through them will know that Yahweh is Lord. Now the command that God gives them to be strong and courageous presupposes that they were not strong and courageous, right? It presupposes that they were weak and fearful. And they were probably unconvinced that they were able to do what God had called them to do. And they were unconvinced that they were able to be what God has called them to be. But there lies the problem. If you're trusting in yourself to do or to be, you're trusting in the wrong one. You can't transform yourself to be anything. God transforms. You You can't trust yourself to do anything. God does through you. See, in order to take this land, the people have to engage in conquest, right? They have to engage in actual physical 
battle with swords and battle axes and spears and shields. They have to literally fight. They have to they have to spill blood in order to take the land. But in the midst of their work, they can decide to trust God and go forth with boldness or to cower and not do it. So you know what they did, right? They sent spies to check out the land. And do you remember their report for any of you who maybe grew up in the church? It's in Numbers 13, their report. This is what it says. It says, after scouting the land, the report tells us that the land was full of giants. Right? The land is full of giants. So here you are. Remember who you are. Moses is dead. Ragtag people. I don't know if I'm going to trust God. Let's go scout the land and see what God's talking about. Oh, the land's full of giants that you want us to take. It says that the people who currently live there were mighty. It says that the cities had fortified walls. And as they compared themselves to the people of that land, it said that they were the size of grasshoppers compared to them. So it seems like they have little hope to actually take the land that God had promised. But just like we were saying this morning, we can't allow the horizontal circumstances to forget the God that we work for, the God that we praise, the God that we serve. None of that dissuades God or scares God. We're shook, but it's because we're looking this way. You wonder how David be Goliath? He wasn't looking this way. He saw an uncircumcised Philistine. That's all he said. I don't see nothing else. God got this. It's funny how this is similar to the reality that we face at Pillar Church. Not in a physical sense, but, but it feels like there's an impossible task before us. It feels like God has called us to engage this land, this spatial region, this area, this area of the city. It's like God has called us to press into things that we don't know, which is scary. He's called us to serve the sick and the blind and the lame. He's called us to make disciples of every nation that lives here in East Fort Worth. He's called us to lead people closer to Jesus and each other. And it feels like an impossible feat to do that, if I would be real with you. Not to mention, as we look around, it almost seems like our area of the city itself is full of giants. Because there's cult leaders and cultural influencers in this city who don't love the Lord Jesus. There are real estate moguls who are buying up all the land so that God's people have no place to lay their heads in this part of the city. There's all these big time, big shots out there that's scary to many of us. And if you engage with people on these streets, you'll see that there's fortified walls around the hearts of men and women everywhere. Walls that are built with the bricks of lies that they've been told since they've been children. That they're nothing, they're never going to be nothing, so they might as well hustle. That's what you're going to hear. Children who are raised by one parent because they swear that they're unlovable now. Lies. Not only that, but for many of us, we start to question our own calling as to whether or not we belong to this particular church or we belong to serve these particular people. We have internal uh, doubts and external challenges. And and what we do is we look around at this semi ragtag group of Christians up in this room and we wonder, do we really got what it takes to do what God has called us to do? Here's the answer. Nope. We don't. But God, our God is not shaken by giants. 
And our God, our God, is not hindered by fortified walls. Like the people of Israel, our job is not to look around at the gifts and skill sets of one another. So much, our job is to cast our gaze heavenward. And we can't allow our circumstances to cloud our knowledge of the power of God. God is calling Pillar Church to be strong and courageous, even though we're COVID fatigued. He's called us to be strong and courageous, even though we're wondering what next year is going to look like. He's telling us to be strong and courageous, even though we want to see people come to faith, but we're not seeing the droves of people come to faith like we dreamed about seeing the droves of people come to faith. He says, stay faithful, be strong, be courageous, continue to lead people closer to me and each other. God has given us a scripture for this. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not get tired of doing good. Why? For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. You guys have family members and friends that you've been sharing the gospel with. You have neighbors that you've been loving on. There's people in your sphere that you have been afraid to engage the gospel with because you perceive them to be some sort of giant that you can't handle. They have some kind of fortified walls around their heart that you feel like you cannot penetrate. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Love them. Share with them. Open your lips about the goodness and the claims of Jesus to them. The text tells us to be strong and courageous. Eric, it calls you, Pastor Eric, it calls you to be strong and courageous. That's what the text is calling. Renee, it's calling you to be strong and courageous. That's what the text is calling us, Stephen. Strong and courageous, right? But it's calling us to be strong and courageous in in a different way than the world considers things to be strong and courageous. Strength is not calculated by how much you bench press in the kingdom of God. Strength is not calculated in how much you believe in yourself in the kingdom of God. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. We ain't got no bootstraps to pull up. That's not strength, trusting in yourself. It's easy to trust in yourself. The weakest of us can trust in ourselves. Being strong and courageous is being able to trust in something else other than you. In the economy of God, strength and courage is governed by a different standard, one of faith, one of trust in the promises of God. In the kingdom of God, we do battle with battle axes and swords, but we have weapons of another sort. Ephesians reminds us in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, against uh, uh, this darkness, against evil and the spiritual forces in the heavens. It's against systemic forms of injustice towards peoples who can do nothing to get out of their own situation. Our battle is to not fear engaging your neighbors with the good news of Jesus, whether they're hooded or tattooed whether they're cult leaders or somebody who doesn't know where to go. Our battle is to not fear that person anymore. Our battle is to choose to see. Oh, please hear me on this. Yo, listen. Our battle is to choose to see the people other people choose not to see. Choosing to see the people that others choose not to see. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you drive by them all the time. And roll your windows up. Look forward and hope they don't see you. Guilty. Guilty. 
It's a battle that we choose to lose every time. Our battle is to be transparent and vulnerable with one another. Y'all see how these things take more strength than not doing them? Our battle is to be known and to know others. Our battle is to fight laziness and complacency that these last two years have lulled us to sleep with and to fight for community and unity. That's our battle. Our battle is to endure the discomfort of not getting our way. That's a real battle. Our battle is to, to have patience and grace with our children and our spouses. That's your battle. Your battle is to fight the desires of the flesh that want to continuously pull you away from the things that are holy. Things that will pull you away from reading and prayer. That's your battle. Our battle is to trust Jesus and lead others to trust Jesus, that they can follow our example. Our battle axes and swords are that of another sort. It's blood and tears we shed on the battlefield of prayer as we petition God to save souls from the grasp of the enemy. The gospel is the, the thing that we blow from our ram's horn that's able to knock down the fortified walls of men and women's hearts. It takes strength and courage to win those battles. It takes strength and courage to trust Jesus. Not to trust you, him. To hand over your life to him. The gospel says that we are a precious people in God's sight, but that sin has been having its way with us since Adam. Sin has caused us to not only uh, uh, to, to disregard the commands of God, but sin has caused a schism and a beef between us, and it caused us to exalt ourselves as God, not just disregarding what God has said. This is what sin has done. Then we think we rule the roost. Sin has been having its way with us and our loved ones, and we have to know that God's wrath looms in the distance. But we praise God that there's a sin killer. And there's a wrath quencher and there's a life giver and a soul saver. And his name is Jesus. Mark 10, 45 tells us that uh, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. And then he rose from the dead to prove to us all that he has the power to save. And now we can choose to crucify our flesh. Those who have faith in his name to crucify our flesh and live in power and strength and impact the people around us and the community in which we live. Or we can cower and hermit in our homes complaining about the things that are never changing. Yet we never do anything about it. It sickens me as I hear individuals from other areas and other parts of the city saying, well, you know what that city needs? A good dose of the gospel. Yet I never see them administering that particular dose of the gospel in that area. And we do the same thing. Oh, it's a shame what's happening over there, isn't it? These people need Jesus. Why aren't you over there giving it to them? You got them. You know the gospel. It's a little easier not to, though. That's not strong. That's not courageous. That's weak sauce. We get to tell people of the, the, the best news. 
that Jesus Christ came to grant forgiveness of all your sin and to unify you into the family of God, that he would cleanse you of nothing you've done of your own accord, that his love for you is not based on your actions. It's not based on your spirituality. He said, I love you. I will save you. I will redeem you. Trust in my son. Surrender unto him, for he is Lord. I will set you free from sin, from vanity, from, uh, from, from pointless living. Pointlessless living. What's that word? Pointlessless. Pointless. From aimlessness, from vanity. And he'll save us from God's wrath through the person and work of Christ. Pillar Church, God is calling us to be strong and courageous, to turn and trust in God. For it's the power of the gospel in us that will enable us to endure the circumstances that we are in. It's the power of the gospel that's going to heal y'all's marriage. It's the power of the gospel that's going to build community. It's the power of the gospel that's going to mend us who are soul sick, mentally ravaged. It's the power of the gospel that's going to cause us to love the people who are hard to love. It's the power of the gospel that's going to force you to fight for justice and equity and for a people that can give you nothing in return. Sounds like Jesus giving himself for a people who are oppressed. He can do nothing in return. It's very Jesus-like to do that. It's the power of the gospel that's going to lead people closer to Jesus and each other. Circumstances will have no bearing on the efficacy of God's word. Pillar Church, will you be strong and courageous enough to forsake yourself? Just this once. Just forsake yourself. Be strong and courageous enough to surrender your heart to Jesus. Be strong and courageous enough to trust in the promises of God, to lean into God's word. Be strong and courageous enough to repent and confess your sin and to take off the facade that you got it together. Look what God says in Joshua 1 verses 5 through 6. It's amazing what he says. Look what he says. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, Israel, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. What an amazing promise. But don't be fooled. That's not just a promise to the people of Israel during the days of Joshua. Those promises are repeated in the New Testament for you and for me. It says in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. And then what does he say? The gates of hell cannot stand against it. No one can stand against you. And then he says in Matthew 28, we know this passage, it's the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he gives us the oomph, the, the, the promise we need to remember in order to accomplish such things. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a choice to make. Believe God or cower and complain. There's a land out there to be conquered. There are hearts that need to be surrendered. Don't cower. 
Don't whine. Surrender. Conquer. The power isn't yours anyway. Be strong enough to be vulnerable. I'm hurting. You're hurting. Confess it. Put your hand on the person and pray. But up in this joint, here a pillar, we can't play the facade game. We got to be who God has called us to be. He's called us to lead people closer to Jesus and each other. That means us in here and them out there. No one can stand against us. And Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. We have no excuses. Will you be strong and courageous to be vulnerable and to spread that gospel that we would see giants fall in this city and walls come crumbling down? Not because of the human ingenuity and your intelligence, because the gospel is that powerful. Can we do that? Father, your word never returns void. Yet I be feeling like it's always returning void. I share the gospel and I don't think people will come to faith because I don't trust that it saves. Yet it's oxymoronic because it's the very gospel that saved me. I've been deceived. I've been hoodwinked. The gospel truth that saved my soul, I feel like it's not good enough to save others. They'll laugh at me, I think. They'll think I'm crazy. They're giants that make fun of me. Yet you've called me to be strong and courageous. To not fear these giants anymore. You called us to be bold as lions, but gentle as doves. I see the walls around people's hearts, and I feel like it can't be scaled. But we blow that ram's horn, Lord, and we walk around those walls seven times in prayer, and they come crumbling down. Not by the strength of the people, but by the strength of the Lord. Lord, call these people to believe you. Call these people to believe you. No facade Christianity, no facade community. Oh, Lord, will we kill the elephant in this room of, of I don't know you, so I'm scared to talk to you. Just can we just kill that thing? Can we just confess our fall, our, our shortcomings and ask for grace and forgiveness like we're supposed to? And love one another and care for one another and not run away from another another and be gracious to one another. Lord, Satan wants us. He don't want us to do work out here. He wants us to be isolated. He wants us to not believe the gospel. And he's done it in so many people and in so many ways. He doesn't want us to gather as a people. Lord, we're going to gather. Not in our strength, but in yours. Because that's what you called us to do. Lord, help us to be strong and courageous. In Christ's name, amen.